Amen, Lord. May we never lose the wonder, the wonder of your mercy. May we sing your hallelujahs forever. Amen. How true, Lord. Your blood ran red and our sins were washed white. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. For all those, Lord, whose sins are still as red as scarlet, I pray today their sins will be washed away and they will do exactly with the scripture that was just read. they would invite Jesus in and he would sup with them and you will sup with him. You eat supper with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Many of us have been doing that for many, many years and even decades. Some of us maybe just a few months ago. May we never lose the wonder of your mercy that takes our red as scarlet sins and washes them white as snow just because we put our faith in you and invited you into our heart. To you be the glory, Lord. Thank you for saving us. We were lost and you found us dead in our sins and you gave us life. We were tied and bound up with the enemy and you loosed us. We were sick and you healed us. We love to hate people and now you taught us to love people. Lord, may we never lose the wonder, the wonder of your mercy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated, church. I don't know about you guys and girls, but, man, worship's good. You know, we have a very diverse worship here, you know. We got Liz doing her thing, and, you know, and Lewis is doing his thing with the guitar, and, now Matt's back, and he'll probably take over a few uh, here down the road, and with his guitar, and uh, you know the, it's amazing. You could be contemporary, we can be a little old-fashioned, you know. But I love them all because the lyrics are so beautiful. If you can just think back at the lyrics that that uh, God has, uh, you know, the, these songs that God has given to these people. I may even read some today as we go on. But before we go on, for those who just tuned in, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches, and I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're located at 2810 High Paluxo Road in Lantana, Florida, which is just south of West Palm Beach. We're actually West Palm Beaches, and, uh, you know, we're just north of Boynton Beach. So we're a quarter mile west of I-95 on High Paluxo Road on the north side of the road. So if you're local, come on and see us. For those online that just tuned in, I suggest next week you get some neighbors and friends and relatives and sit down in front of the TV and tune in to Freedom Church at 10 a.m. And, uh, and uh, you can hear what we have, what the Lord is saying through us. I was just praying this morning with uh, our deacons. And, uh, you know, I, I've been preaching on storms last week. I'm preaching on storms today. And there's possibly another one coming a couple weeks down the road. Um, and I turn on the radio, and there's David Jeremiah preaching on, guess what? Storms. Then after David Jeremiah goes off, Erwin Lutzer comes on. And guess what he's teaching on? Storms. And I'm there like, praise God, we're in the loop, <laughs> you know? So praise the Lord. And, you know, rightfully so, because there's storms going all through the world today. And storms going on in America, and storms going on in each individual's life. 
This morning, my wife and I bowed in prayer because uh, a, a, relative, a friend of a, uh, a relative of a relative, you know, has been gone, missing since March, missing since March. And, you know, we just found out about it a few weeks ago. And, you know, mom and uh, dad and stepmom is looking for him all over the place. And we bowed our heads and prayed today, you know, for, for him. And, and a couple of times prior, because there's a storm going on in his life or he wouldn't have been disappeared like that. Or, you know, I'm praying that nothing evil happened to him. But we prayed for him this morning. His name is Jerry. So if you want to you pray for him, he was, he was living here in Florida, but he's originally from West Virginia. So, um, and I only met him once. Me and Liz only met him once. But we prayed for him. And it's important because prayer changes things. And we're going to see that today with Peter's simple prayer that we even taught about last week. But we're going to look at several things. Last week, I had some papers given out. Theron has some more papers. We're going to be reviewing the first side of this paper, and we're going to, re, we're going to um, really study on the uh, second half of that page of paper. But for those online, again, if you're on our website, you can find out where we're at, where we're located. You can find out our address. You can, you can mail a check if God should lead you to keep the ministry going. I want to remind you, you know, our, our, our one of our a pastor, missionary friend of ours that is located in the, comes to this church. His wife right now is in Finland working with C-SPAN, I think, or, or it might be Youth for, Youth for All Nations, YWAM, and she's going to work with them, and then her kids are going to be babysitted by her mom and dad who live in Finland. Before, Brett just told me Friday night, I think he said, but when she comes back, I would have left a couple of days before. He's going to Egypt to preach the gospel with C-SPAN, which is Dan, Daniel Kalinda's ministry, which was um, Reinhard, Bunke's, Reinhard Bunke's ministry, who died at 79, and he was credited with mil- winning 79 million people to the Lord. Wow. So he was the evangelist of Africa. And as Billy Graham was the evangelist of, of the America and the world. So we need to pray for it. We need to get that go- the gospel out there because I don't know about you. I want out of here bad. I really don't want to die. I'd rather be raptured. <laughs> you know? And I, I think if you would rather die, there's something wrong with you there. <laughs> you know? I would rather, I'm not afraid of death because we know that be absent from the body is present with the Lord. We know that for a fact. Because the scriptures say so. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I will come again, and I will take you to myself. So anyway, we know these things. So I want out of here badly. So please support the gospel through your churches, through your pastors, you know, by gifts and alms and, and, uh, and tithes. Because you know, the more we get the gospel out there, the sooner the Lord's going to come back. And it's, it's amazing. I can't wait. So you can see our list of ministries online. You can watch past services. You can even give online. There's a Give Life button. Just go to the Give Life button. It'll take you through. And we thank you for your gifts and your offerings for all of you here. This church is 10 years old. We've been here in this building in August, this August, next month. 
We will be here eight years. We've outlived five landlords. So praise God, you know. Um, so praise the Lord. Keep praying for Freedom Church and see, keep supporting. There's boxes in the back. Everyone knows. For those online, just go to the Give Lifey button, or you can even mail donations to, um, to, our, to our address, which is online. Um, so I also, for those online, I have wrote a book. It's called About Face. The secondary title, the subtitle is A Wake-Up Call for the Church. And the Lord impressed me to write this book 10 years ago. It's finally in print. And, uh, you know, it's only 180 pages long. And it is a wake-up call for the church, for us to wake up. And not only that, for people that don't know the Lord, that they would come to know the Lord. And it's, you know, and it's put in a soldier theme because we are soldiers of Christ that forgot we're in a battle. We are fighting the war of all ages. Read Daniel chapter 7. We have been born into a battle, and the Christians sit in their seats, and they forget they have battle armor that God gave them. It gives a sword of the Spirit and a shield of faith, along with the armor of God. The sword, the shield of faith, you can do what Jesus did. It is written. Then you lash out with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You have that sword, and that sword does not kill. It brings them eternal life. The soldiers, we forgot. Paul addresses us as soldiers of Christ in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. He says, no good soldier in active duty, you know, um, participates in this world. It says it in that way as a, a, a kind of a paraphrase. But... You know, we aren't, we're in this world, but we're not of this world, and we fight for the kingdom of heaven down here on earth to win souls with the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith to bring them into the kingdom, and that's what this book is about. At the end of the first chapter and one of the other chapters, there's a place for a signature and a date for your accepting or recommitting or re-upping to your commitment that you prayed maybe 40 years ago. It's time to wake up church needs to wake up because the world's going to hell in a handbasket very, very quickly. So, anyway, online, I keep going offline here, but, you know, thank you for your gifts and offerings. Come join us right here. We're at Freedom Church. We have a service at 10 a.m. on Sunday. It's on online, and uh, we also have a men's Bible study that starts at 9 a.m. on Saturday mornings, and we, we usually go to about 1030. Sometimes the guys hang out till noon just praising the Lord which is something good. I went out with the guys on Thursday night. We treated Matt to a, a steak dinner because he was in Brazil eating beans and rice for six months. <laughs> you know, And we took him out for a steak dinner. And uh, I forgot what I was going to say with that. Hmm. See, why did I say that, Matt? Do you know? <laughs> yeah, well, oh, I know why I said it. Because these guys were talking about they go out all the time witnessing up at City Place and stuff, and they were going out till yesterday to City Place, and they were going to take Max with them. And these guys are talking how they're leading people to the Lord on the street, and I'm thinking like, man, these guys are doing what I did 35 years ago, you know? And I'm thinking, the gospel's alive and well, and there are, are great men and women of God out on the street preaching the gospel. Keep up the good work. Praise God. That's, that's got to happen. Anyway, uh, we thank you. Uh, send support. We're a full gospel, Bible-believing church. I don't skip any areas in the Word of God that might, might uh, 
offend you because, you know, the word is, a, you know, Jesus is a stumbling block to a lot of people. If you stumble over him and receive him, you're saved. If you stumble over him and don't receive him, you are crushed by the rock. And believe me, you don't want to be crushed. Hell is a real place, and believe me, you do not want to go there. Anyway, I want to read this passage. We're in Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to start at the 22nd verse. I'm going to read to the end of the chapter, which is only like 16 verses, okay? I'm not going to, I may not bounce too much back at this passage, but I want you to have it in your heart and your head as we go through these messages because we're teaching on the storms of life. Verse 22, Matthew chapter 14. I'm reading from the New American Stand. No, no, I'm reading from the New King James. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And said, Lord, if this, and Peter said, If, you, if it is you, Lord, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat he walked on the water to go to Jesus and when he saw that the wind was boisterous and was afraid and beginning to sink he cried out saying Lord save me and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him oh you of little faith why did you doubt and when they got into the boat the wind ceased and those who were in the boat came and worshiped him saying truly you are the Son of God. And when they crossed over, they came to the land of the Gennesaret. And when the men of the place recognized him, they sent out into all the surrounding regions, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that he, they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched it were made perfectly well. Obviously, the woman who touched the end of, of Jesus' garment I got some fame here, and people said, I just want to touch his, I just touch his garment. Jesus' was popularity was well known now. The scribes and Pharisees have really ousted him. And one of the chapters back, I think it was chapter 12, they really were done with Jesus. They decided their hearts were hardened. They were going to take Jesus down. But the, but the, the people loved Jesus. And I don't know why you wouldn't love Jesus if you had cancer or you were a leper or even if you were dead and he raised you and healed you and delivered you. I don't know why you would question this. And then it lined up with the scriptures as, you know, Isaiah and Ezekiel and many of the prophets proclaimed the coming of Messiah, even Malachi. Anyway, ask yourself, before we get into our notes, ask yourself, why did you take your eyes off of Jesus, like Peter? The wind was contrary. The waves were boisterous. He actually walked on the water. It doesn't say he walked 10 feet or 15 feet or two steps. He actually walked on water. 
But then when the wind and the rain blew against him and the waves were contrary to him, he, he took his eyes off of Jesus and immediately began to seek. See, sink. Listen, ask yourself, why over these last decades or months or years, why have you taken your eyes off of Jesus? And you wonder why the storm roused us up. Remember, he carried you through other storms. You've been a Christian a while. You've, you've known that you've gone through other storms, and Jesus was with you. I love that song by Zach Williams and Dolly Parton. It, you know, Jesus was there. How's it go? The, um, there was Jesus. That's the name of the song. Every time you hit a hard spot in your life and you prayed, there was Jesus. Some of you knew it, and some of you didn't know it. It's time to know it. Time to know. It, there was Jesus. He was in that. So he carried you in other storms. So why do you doubt now? Did our faith deteriorate that quickly? Did it really? You're supposed to be growing in faith and in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Has our faith deteriorated? But now you're just like Peter. Me too. Hey. I have ups and downs just like you. Just because you're a pastor don't mean you don't have that. Listen, I have ups and downs. Listen, I took my eyes off of Jesus many times over. The, actually, July 25th, I was born again for 45 years. It was a few weeks, a week ago or so. 45 years. And I've taken my eyes off of Jesus, and every time I did, it was a mess. I made a mess out of things. Are you called out of your circumstances for, through Jesus? If you read John chapter 1, you find out he's the creator. If you read uh, John chapter 1 a little further, verses 8 through 12, you find out he's the light of the world. John the Baptist tells you that. He's the light of all the world. If you read, read Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 through 18, you find out that he, he's credited with creation. He's the Lord of creation. If you think back last week when we talked about feeding of the 5,000, he was creating fish and bread right in his hands. He was continually breaking and continually passing it out. And all of those 5,000 people, including the, and not including the women and children, probably about ten to 12,000 people, are watching creation happen right there in their hands. And, and the Jews and the scribes and the Pharisees are rejecting him. But the people loved him. When, when does this happen? When we get away from God's Word. You know, I have a friend of mine that go to a church local in this area, not far from here. He told me, he went to this church for years, and he's never carried a Bible in there, nor did he see one. I know some people have their Bibles on the phone, and I'm not discrediting that. I use it all the time. It's really quicker than paging through pages if I'm looking for a verse. But people don't even bring their Bibles. Then I have a nephew that went to that same church, and he wanted to teach a Bible study, and he is ordained. He's 25 years old, and he ordained. He wanted to teach a Bible study in that church, which he attended for years, and they said, we can't have you teach it. It's too convicting. And I'm there. You know what? That's a social club. Sorry. They got to wake up. They should get this book and read it. 
You got away from the Word of God. You need the Word of God in your life. You know what? The Word of God, if you keep your eyes on Him, you will not sink anymore. But if you take your eyes off of Him, you're going to begin to sink in the sin and the depravity of this world. And your faith will deteriorate. And doubt will enter into your heart. Romans 12, chapter, chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. You're a living sacrifice. You forgot that. And now... Since you're a living sacrifice, you got up off of God's altar and you decided to serve somebody else. Yourself, maybe the world. The Bible tells us very clearly that this book of the law should not depart from your mouth. This book of the law should not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so you're careful to do everything written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And please don't think of dollar bills at this time. You will, have, you will make your way prosperous. Your life can, will be built up and your joy in your heart. And you will make your way prosperous and have good success. And success, world, is not in dollar bills. It's in your heart. It's in your heart. We must be washed in the Word continually. That's what Paul told Titus. He said, He saved us, not on the basis of the deeds that you've done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Washing of, of, the, of, of the Holy Spirit by regenerating. You have been regenerated. And some of you today, whether you're online or in this church, you know, you need to be regenerated and you need to wake up and do an about face and wake up. And if you wake up, then guess what? Revival will start because the next guy is going to do it. The next guy is going to happen in this church. It's going to happen in that church, that church over there, even the church where people don't bring Bibles. It'll begin to happen. And they'll begin to recognize. How come the preacher don't use Bible verses? I have one young lady that moved out of the area. She came here and she says, Pastor Joe, uh, she rented a house down close, and she said, Pastor Joe, I, I'm tired of one scripture and a bunch of stories. You don't get stories at this church. I'll throw in a story to wake people up or to show a, and make an example. But we're reading the Word of God here, and we're going to keep doing it until we're blue in the face or until the, the Lord takes us home. So when you take your focus off of Jesus, you will enter back into your chaos, your disorder, and even death of your physical death or spiritual death of yourself. How do we overcome this? We got to be like Peter when he first got out of the boat. You got to focus on Jesus. You got to keep your eyes on him. And when somebody in your family or the world tells you this, you say, that doesn't line up with what I meditated and what I learned and what I quoted in the word of God. You're supposed to, according to the studies I've done in this church, you're to handle accurately the word of truth. And here's, here's handling accurately. Deuteronomy 17, 19 says, you should read it 
all the days of your life. All the days of your life. It, it also says in Joshua 1.8, I quoted the, the verse just shortly, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so you're careful to do everything written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. You're supposed to read it and meditate on it. Then you're supposed to obey it. Behold, Samuel said this to Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice, to obey the Lord. These scriptures still hold true. You can receive Jesus, but you still have to obey the Word of God. That means you don't receive Jesus and go out there and act like a hellraiser in the world. You're a saint. You represent the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God on this earth. Wake up and act like it. They'll know you by your fruit. You're to memorize it, Psalm 1, 119, 9, 11 says. I memorized this right off the bat when I was a young believer. It goes, it goes, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy word. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's what. Read it, meditate on it, obey it, memorize it. Jeremiah says this. Your words were found, and I did eat them, and they became the joy and the delight of my heart. Jeremiah 17, 19. I'm sorry, 15, 16. Not only are you supposed to eat it, you're supposed to hear it. Faith comes by what? Hearing. hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You're supposed to study it. Study, said Paul to Timothy. And show yourself approved unto God as a workman who needs not to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. You're supposed to grow in it, but grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You take your eyes off of Jesus, all these things go away. The devil will make you quickly forget the verses you memorized. You have to keep reviewing them, reviewing them, reviewing them. And as you keep reviewing them, reviewing and reviewing them, your spirit gets lifted back up again. And you can keep your eyes on Jesus a lot longer. Not only grow in it, you're supposed to live in it. And everything, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So we have a, a big responsibility. And if you would go even further, according to Revelation 2, verse 4, you're supposed to fall in love with Jesus. And you know what? If you've fallen out of love and you've taken your eyes off of Jesus, it's time to get back up to this altar and give your heart back to the Lord. If you're on the Internet, you need to do that in your home. Get on your knees. Bow your heart. You know, God isn't going to look at your body whether your knees are bowed. He's going to look at your heart and see if it's bowed. So read it, meditate on it, obey it, memorize it, eat it, hear it, study it, grow in, grow in it, live it, and walk in love with Jesus, but I have this against you. You have left your first love. That's why the storms are happening in your life. Because we've taken our eyes off of Jesus in whatever storm you might be in your life right now. I want to read you a devotional, and I love devotionals, but don't base your faith on how much faith you're going to have by reading the devotional. It should, it should challenge you. I'm going to read you this devotional. It's not that long. 
The main verse for this verse for this this uh, passage is this: For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. We're going to see an illustration here. I remember my sixth grade teacher. This guy's my age, just so you know it. Seventy-two. He's a Vietnam vet too. I remember my sixth grade teacher heated a gas can of a metal gas can. One was it once it was very hot, he put the lid on it and sealed it airtight and then set the can on his desk. The whole class watched as it began to crackle and pop. Then right in front of our eyes, the can was crushed without anyone touching it. I'm wondering what, what happened here. Hot air occupies more space than cold air. When the air inside the can was hot, it equaled the atmosphere's pressure. As the cold, however, the air condensed and formed a partial vacuum inside the can. That's when the normal atmospheric pressure crushed it. What an awesome illustration of everyday life. We all face pressures from the outside. If our lives are full of the presence of God, these pressures are no problem. It's only when we have a partial vacuum in our hearts that daily pressures can crush us. Those who seem overly overwhelmed by every day life have cooled off in their relationship with the Lord. Life hasn't become worse or more stressful in our modern times as, the, as times pass. Life has always been tough. Think of those who fought in World War II, those, those that have, whose families are, were slaves not too long ago, just a few generations ago. What about the Great Depression? Most of us never experienced hardships like these people did. Yet it seems there is more depression, suicide, heartbreak today than ever before. The difference isn't the pressures outside of the vacuum, but the vacuum inside. Let me say that again. The difference isn't the pressures outside, but the vacuum inside. Today, don't get out of your bed without beginning passionately full of love, faith, and hope of God. Make sure there's no vacuum in your heart for God and no pressure you encounter will be a problem. Doesn't the scripture say, you know, that, you know, I, I always use the illustration about the fish in the Mariana Trench. Seven miles down, there are fish. That those fish aren't built out of iron like a submarine. An, an American submarine can only get down about four miles. There's another three miles to go. But three miles down under that, there's more fish. There's fish down there. And their scales aren't made out of stale. When you catch them and bring them up, they actually are, are just the same as, as the fish up here on, on, on shallow waters. The scales are just the same. What's the difference? It's the pressure inside the fish is equal to the pressure outside the fish. 
So once the pressure inside the fish deteriorates, as you letting go of the Word of God, the, you know, the vacuum forms and poosh, that can's flat because you let a vacuum in your life. Because, because the air cold and you lost your hot love for Jesus, and when that hot love cooled, the atmospheric pressure just crushed the can because you have let go of Jesus in your heart. And that's what happens to people because we take our eyes off of Jesus. And that's why the church is really ineffective today, pretty much. So your papers that we passed on, i got about 25 minutes here. I want to review what we studied last week because I want to, I just want you to remember this, and then we'll flip over to the real message today. Storms, three types of storms we learned last week. Storms you can hide from. Psalm 17 says, you can hide under the shadow of, thy, of his wings, of God's wings. He's all you need. He's all you and I need, and the world's pressure will not crush us. See, Jesus is the answer. You need to hide in him. There's second point of, second type of storm. Storms you can rebuke. Mark tells us in 439 that Jesus just spoke to the waves and said, Hush, be still. And they were still. He rebuked them is what he did. Here's Matthew 26, 28, 26, and Luke 8, 24. He rebuked the winds and the sea. So you can rebuke some storms. Jesus did it, and he said, you can do greater things than me. John 14, 12. Greater things. He who believes in me, the work that I do, he shall do also, and greater works. Psalm 107, now we're going into the Old Testament. Verses 29, Psalm 107, verse 29. He caused the storm to be still. Who else? cause the storm to be still. I wonder who else. Nobody else I know except Jesus. He's the only one. The real question is, is the storm going to build you up or tear you down? Is the storm going to strengthen you or is it going to destroy you? Is it going to make you better or bitter? Is it going to make is it going to turn a test into a testimony or is it going to turn a victim or is it going to turn you from a victim to a victory? It's, that's what the storm does. Keep your eyes on Jesus. That's why Peter began to sink. Every single one of us is going to experience these times of testing, of trial, of hardship. It's just a part of life. No one is exempt. Not even the President of the United States is exempt to it. You remember James 1-2, he said this, he said, when you fall into trials, not if you turn it, if you fall into trials, it's when you will experience trials in your life. Matthew backs it up. He says, and the rains came and blew against the house and it fell and great was its fall. It didn't say, if the rains come. The rains will come. The storms will come. The testing and the trials will come because it's a part of life. Job said this. This is a victory speech. He said, 
But he knows my way. He knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. Testing purifies you. Like gold is purified, it's melted, and all the dross comes to the top. That's what God's doing in our lives, or allowing to be done in our lives. I don't believe God causes storms to come into our life. I believe the fall of man caused storms to come into our lives. Always people like to blame it on God. No, it's your fault. It's my fault. Jesus, God created a perfect world. So quit blaming God and blame yourself and live a holy life as best you can. Another one, not only do storms hide you, you can hide from storms, you can rebuke storms. Number three, you, can, you must endure storms. You've got to remember, in this passage in verse 22 of Matthew 14 that we read, Jesus actually told the disciples, he commanded them to get into the ship. And he said, I will go and go before me to the other side. You know, that's a command with a promise. He told him, you go to the other side, get in the boat and go. I don't know if the storm was going on then or happened when they were in the middle of the, middle of the Sea of Galilee. But then he had a promise. He told them to go. There's a storm come up, and they thought they were going to die in the storm. Remember, five of the disciples were fishermen. They knew boats. This storm was bad. But Jesus said this, I will go before you to the other side. That's a promise. He commanded them to go, and he promised them he'll beat them there. So therefore, they aren't going to drown. Do you see that? You aren't going to drown. So we got storms you can hide from, storms you can rebuke, storms you must endure. Now we have six reasons why God allows storms to come into our lives. Number one would be Isaiah 42.8. I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I will share with nobody. Listen, storms are for God's glory. Once you come out of that storm, you can have a testimony, and you can say, I was healed of cancer. God healed me of cancer, or whatever it may be. I was broke, I was in debt, and God paid off all my house, my house. God tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, and if this is probably one of the verses that you know, for I know the, the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for evil to give you a, a, a future and a hope. You know that verse. Why not study the ones that say, you know, there's no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. Why not memorize that? It's for God's glory, not yours. When he does plan your ways and when you're, 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 um, he gives you a future and a hope, you are to testify of Jesus. He did it for you. Number two, storms are for correction. Jonah was thrown overboard. We touched on that last week. He was thrown overboard because he was supposed to go to Nineveh, but he went the other direction. And when he got on a ship, there was a big storm that came, and Jonah knew it was his fault. And all these 
all these sailors were going to perish, and Jonah said, throw me out of the boat, and then the storm will cease, and it did cease, and a whale, you know, most likely a whale, came and swallowed Jonah. He was in there for three days and three nights, just like Jesus was in the heart of the earth, and he was spewed out on the beach, and he preached to Nineveh, and Nineveh, even the king himself, repented, and the nation was, was saved for another 150 years until they turned away from God again. The first great revival in America was in the early 1700s, 1800s, 1900s. It's 300 years America has been. There were a couple of revivals after that, the second revival in the 1800s. So, you know, what happens to men, if they take their eyes off of Jesus, they begin to perish, they begin to sink into their depravity again. And then once again, they have to return to the Lord and be saved. And that's what we need to do today. He repented and souls were saved. See, it's all about souls. It's all about souls on in this earth. You know, people think it's all about, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And it's all about me. No, it isn't. It's about souls. It's about your neighbor being saved and your children being saved, and your parents being saved, and your spouse being saved. That's what it's about. There's storms of perfection. He will keep you in perfect peace, all those who trust in him, whose thoughts turn open to the Lord. He keeps you in perfect peace as you. So there's a storm of perfection. You, you are being perfected. And number four, there's storms of opportunity, knowing the Lord will see you through. The mind of man plans his way, but what? The Lord directs your what? Steps. You can plan all you want, but sooner or later, God's going to close a window or a door, and he's going to take you the way he wants you to go. There's storms of protection. Like Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and he, he saved him and his family. And there's storms of direction. You know, Paul, that's what I might be preaching on in Acts chapter 27 and 28. Paul was in a storm on the Mediterranean Sea. He was headed for Rome to stand before Caesar. And they were it was going to be a straight shot to Rome. But, you know, it was a storm that came up. And God redirected Paul's steps to an island called Malta. And he went to that island, and he healed the consular, like the governor of that, that island. And people began to get saved, and they were bringing all the people to him, to Paul, and he was healing them in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. So it directed Paul. God stopped that ship from going directly to Rome. God redirected the ship to Malta with a storm. And we know... And people quote it all the time. Another one of their verses that you memorize because it's a good verse. We don't like the negative verses. We only like the good verses. And know that all things work together for the good. For those who love God. Listen to that. That's a condition. All things work together. All things work together for the good. Condition number one. To those who love God. And now, second condition, to those who are called according to his purpose. Are you doing your purpose on earth or his purpose on earth? 
here we come to our other message. Turn to the other side of your page. Four principles in storm in the storms of life. Number one, storms will reveal your weakness, and it will bring us to the brink. In Matthew 14, you know, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Jesus really probably sent them into the storm. If there wasn't a storm, he knew there was going to be a storm, but he knew he was going to meet them. Storms are trials that God allows, not because he gives them, but because man messed up in the Garden of Eden and all the world began to deteriorate from that very moment on. Adam and Eve didn't die immediately. God says, if you eat from that fruit, surely you're going to die. But when, when the devil entered the serpent and had Eve take a bite and Adam take a bite, they didn't die immediately. They died spiritually. They died spiritually. Storms are trials that God allows to teach us and to develop our character and to purge us, to bear more fruit. You're supposed to trim your fruit trees at the end of the season so they bear more fruit next year. I cut back one of my avocado trees, all three of them. I cut back my avocado trees. I got one fruit, and it fell on the ground too early, and, it, uh, and I, something got it and started eating it. And I talked to my brother-in-law because he, he's into that landscaping, and he said, you cut it back too far. It was your fault, Joe. You cut off the lower limbs. You don't cut off the... And I, I, I made it struggle a little longer and it couldn't have time to bear some fruit. We'll try it next year, hopefully. Jesus carries you through the storms of life. You know the footprints in the, stand, uh, in the sand poem. The times that you thought God left you and he, he, there's only one set of footprints, but it's God's footprints because he's carrying you through it. See, we, we have a tendency to look negative, and God has a tendency to pull us back positive all the time. Storms reveal, number two, storms reveal God's ability. Look at this storm avail, of revealed to the disciples. Jesus can walk on water. He not only can walk on water, but he can walk on top of the waves of the water because it was rough, and he can withstand the wind. The wind didn't knock him off his balance. He, he was able to calm a storm. When, when they said to him, he said, it is I. When they asked him if it's Jesus, he said, it is I. He said, it is I am. That's the name of God. That's what Jesus said. And I am is the name of God. Jesus either suspended the law of gravity or he altered the at atomic consistency of water. What did he do? It doesn't matter. He did it. He did it. It's proof. The disciples wrote it, and all the disciples died martyrs because of it, except John. But he was to die because he was boiled in oil. But God didn't let him die, like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego when they were in the furnace of fire. The Lord was with them, and he survived. And so did, so did, um, so did, who, who am I talking about? Let's see. Anyway, God did it, and he walked on the water. His divinity is being, being demonstrated again, that he is the Lord, that he can walk on, on water. 
The implication here is the fear of the storm has no place in God's presence. If you have God in your heart, there's no vacuum and you can't be crushed. If you have God in your heart, you know, um, you won't be crushed. That's all there is to it. He'll carry you through the storm. And when it was all over, Peter said, Save me, Lord. And they invited Jesus into the boat. And the storm ceased immediately. And you know what else happened? They were in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And all of a sudden, Jesus gets in a boat, and they're at dry land. Another three to four miles of where they were going. You invite Jesus into the boat, and that tells me that your storm might end quicker. Invite him into your storm, whatever it may be. There was a storm in my life a long time ago. I prayed constantly. I prayed in the spirit constantly, in the tongues. I know some of you probably are offended by that, but too bad. Go to chapter uh, 12 of 1 Corinthians. Read chapter 13, which is sandwiched in love. And then you, then you go to chapter 14. It's the gifts, the gifts sandwiched with the center of love. Hating your brother because they speak in another language or they have a gift that you you don't have. Love them. That's what God's saying. You know what? I was a storm in my life. I prayed in the Spirit so much. I was so broken. I'd wind uh, the the, um, window on the top of the car. What do they call that? Sunroof, yeah. I would ride down I-95 or where I'm going. My hands would be in the air praising God because I was, I was just praying in the Spirit. Because, and I finally got to the point after years went by, I finally said, Lord, can, can you stop it? <laughs> because every time I pray in tongues, I'm thinking of that situation now. I'm beginning to come out of this storm. Can we slow down with the tongues? <laughs> you know, and I, that, that backfired on me a little later. But anyway, are you willing, you out there, you here, are you willing to invite him in? Not just a little corner, because when the vacuum, when the air cools, smash. Invite him in wholly and completely into your life. Be filled with the Spirit. Baptized in the Spirit. Baptized means saturated. Saturated with the Spirit. Too many people... You know, including us today, we want Jesus in our heart, but don't take that closet over there. I like pornography. I like adultery. You know, you can't have them, God, but you can have my part of my heart. Listen, God wants to cleanse the whole temple, not part of it. Number four, storms last just as long as the Lord wants them to. And Peter and the, and the disciples' case here, immediately they were at the other side. Maybe God wants to teach you some more in it, and he's there with you to, to learn. If you want to see the rainbow, someone said, you must first tolerate the rain, because rainbows don't appear unless there's a rain. Miracles happen, church, where impossibilities exist. Miracles happen. Because God is the God of the impossible. There is nothing impossible with God. Miracles, two miracles really occurred here. The wind stopped immediately and the waves ceased. Actually, there's three. The winds 
The wind stops immediately, the waves cease, and the boat is immediately on the other side. What took them nine hours, eight to nine hours, to get into the middle of the lake, because the winds were contrary, it took them like that to get the other four miles, because Jesus was in the boat with them. Jesus did it immediately. You want your storm to end quicker, as I said earlier? Invite Jesus into it. It will end. Now we can look at seven things about storms of life, about the storms of life. Storms cannot separate you from God. If you're a true believer, you cannot be separated God or from God. Matthew 28 says, listen, the Lord says, I am with you always. Christ comes in the midst of the storm. He knows you're in the storm. How about, remember Psalm 23? Everybody likes that psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of our life. Even if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord is with you if you invite him in. He knows what you're going through. You have a responsibility to invite him in. Jesus came, he died, he was buried, and he is risen. That was his responsibility or his calling to do it because he loved us so much. And it's our responsibility to, to receive him as our Savior. So number two of seven things about storms. Storms remind us of God's ownership. Paul says, to whom I belong in Acts chapter 27. When he was talking about the shipwreck, he says, an angel stood before me tonight and told me that we would have no loss of life, only you have to stay with the ship. And then he says, the, uh, because I am a servant, the God of God Almighty, who I serve. And they believed him. You know why they believed him? Because before, when there was, when they were docked, they were going to weather a storm. The captain said, oh, there's a nice south breeze. Let's take a chance. And Paul said, don't, don't. They're going to suffer loss if you do. So they didn't pay Paul's attention there. He was probably in their, in their spirit. They were saying, Paul told us so. But when Paul said this time, there'd be no loss of life, they listened to him. God gave Paul uh can I say, a, a favor with those on the boat. Life is not about finding yourself. It's about allowing, to, allowing God to recreate you. It's about God recreating you. That's what life is about, not finding yourself. You were created to worship and serve Him. It's about allowing God to recreate you to someone who really wants to love God and, and, uh, and be recreated by Him. Number three, storms serve to adjust our priorities. I love this verse, and my, my good friend Leif loved this verse. This is 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions, so that we, 
will be able to comfort those who are in any afflictions with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. It adjusts your priorities off of you to think about others and help them. You go through a rough time in your life, then God can use you to help other people down the road. That's when I counsel people. I use that a lot. Listen, you went through a storm. You get through this storm, and you can counsel other people that are going to be in the same storm you were in. And you, when you talk to them, you already experienced it, and God already saved you. Therefore, your words will, will really attract them, and they will believe you. The storms readjust your priorities. Number four, you can't control storms, but you can control your attitude towards them. You can't control the storm. God can't, but you can't. But you can control your attitude. Here's what Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are right, whatsoever things are of good report, whatsoever things are pure and lovely, think on these things. In other words, positive, positive. You have the Lord God in you. Listen. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Tell me, you think we can get through the storm? Absolutely. But you can't have God in just a corner. He wants you completely. He wants no vacuum. No vacuum. You want to be red hot for Jesus because God says, Jesus said, he said, if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. But let me use the King James. If you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. A little bit more force there, huh? You're supposed to be red hot. And if you're red hot, like that illustration I gave you in the beginning, that can will never crush because you're filled with a red hot love for Jesus Christ and him crucified, dead, buried, and risen. Someone once said this, don't look with your eyes what is in your heart saying to, the, to you in the storm. Don't look at you with your eyes, but look at your heart and what it's saying to you about a storm. And, you know, you're going to go through storms, and you, they can end up scars in your life. But scars only remind you where you've been. They don't have to dictate your future. A lot of people, you know, they, they let their past failures dictate their future, and they stay with their heads hung down and their spirits broken. And that's in this book, too because they lost their focus. They have scars, but it's just a reminder that God got you through it, and he'll get you through this one. The safest place in the storm is never take your eyes off of Jesus. That's all there is to it. Invite him into your heart again. It's a wake-up call for the church, for each individual. It's a wake-up call. Invite him in again. We sang it here today. Invite him into your heart. Number six, don't let fear set in. I was reading another devotional. It's a daily bread. Dr. DeHaan wrote it. As the devil is clever and deceiving us all, he cunningly causes the strongest to fall. But we, his sly methods, are surely to discern by making God's warnings our daily concerns. You've got to make God's warning. God warned you. Don't take your eyes off of me. 
He gave us an illustration with Peter. Keep your eyes on Jesus and don't pay attention to what's going on out here. Out here. Let me go to um, 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want to read you what I quoted earlier and didn't do a good job of it. 2 Timothy 2. No one... No, let me start at the third verse. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. Don't forget, you're a soldier. I started it this way. Onward, Christian soldier, marching out to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. That's what my kids sang 45 years ago. You're a soldier for Christ. Paul says this to Timothy, You, therefore, endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. We're here not to please man, but to please God. Fear. Someone gave the acrostic of fear. False evidence that appears real. False evidence appearing real. You know what the opposite of fear is? Courage, love. Jesus' power will be recognized in a storm. There's Colossians 2.20. If with Christ you died to the elementary principles of this world. What kind of principles are this world? Elementary. Compared to what you see in the Word of God and read in the Word of God, the, 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 the principles of this world are elementary to God. If, you, if, if with Christ you died to the elementary principles of the world, because you were crucified with Christ, why, as if you are still alive in the world, do you submit yourself to its regulations? You are to live above, above your circumstances. You live your, above your circumstances by the Word of God. And I'll end it here. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Don't focus on the elementary principles around you. Because fear will set in. And you'll start to sin again. Go out of this place washed in the blood of Jesus. The blood ran red but your sins were washed white. All because of Jesus. Keep your eyes focused on him all the days of your life. Let's pray. Father, today we give you the glory, the praise, the honor. Lord, the more we study your word, the more beautiful it gets. And we thank you, Lord. Lord, today, those that heard this message, let them turn back to you. Let them once again burn red hot so that they can't be crushed by the world and its principles, but live by their faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And to you be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody wants to, the the altar's open. For those of you on air, tune back in next week, 10 a.m. And uh, we love you all, and God bless you.